Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM. So let's just start at the conception level, how you put this research uh, paper together and what kind of data did you use uh, to come to the conclusions that you did? Okay, great question. So the, the project started off rather innocently and modestly. It's just an attempt to, to see if we could use uh, data modeling methods and uh, artificial intelligence for, to solve or try and solve um, large public policy questions. So in the South African context, that's very, very rarely done. So there was some innovation in that space. So we had access to the Institute of Security Studies uh, protest data, data set, which started in 2013. The police has an extensive set on, 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 on incidents where the police have been called out uh, over a long period of time, which we were able to draw on. And then there's some various international NGOs that have been monitoring conflicts uh, around the world, which have, which have got data sets. So we modeled those three data sets together. And what was really interesting when we did that work is that we found a pattern which was very unusual, or rather, I should say, unexpected. So we find that from around 2006, 2007, there's a dramatic increase in, in protest activity in South Africa, really, really extraordinary rise in, in protest activity. So that phenomenon is quite well known in South Africa. A group of sociologists from around 2010 started reporting on it and called it evidence of what they call the rebellion of the poor. So that phenomenon is fairly well known. But then something rather unusual, unexpected happens from around 2012, 2013. That, that, uh, that, that spike in protest activity begins to stabilize. It comes down slightly. Then, depending on the data set, it either rises very, very slowly and then, say, and then stabilizes again or, or, or it even comes down. Broadly speaking, though, there's a period from around 2012, 2013 to the end of 2017 where protest activity stabilizes, comes down and stabilizes. And then from the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, it rockets. Absolutely, it absolutely rockets. So the events of, uh, of July 2021, the insurrection, the revolt, however you describe it, form part of that huge increase in activities uh, in, in 2000, from 2018. So what we were interested in understanding is why this period of stabilization? What is going on there? Because it, it, it coincides with a period which we know objectively is a period of acute crisis. It's the period of, of the rule of Jacob Zuma. It's a period of, of state capture. It's a period of massive, massive uh, rent-seeking and corruption. It's a period of ongoing economic crisis in South Africa. And it's a period of the deterioration of the capacity and the performance of government institutions. So you would expect during that period of crisis that protest activities would actually increase, and instead what they do is that they stabilize. So that is the phenomenon which we were trying to understand. And did you? Um, you know, what sort of reasons uh, could you come up with or what sort of inferences could be drawn in the data that you had as to why that came down or stabilized? Yeah, so this is, again, where things get very, very interesting. So the dominant explanations for what's driving protest, again, are, are questions around service delivery and questions around uh, unemployment, poverty, and those sorts of issues. So we tested for those, for those hypotheses. So we, we developed a, a measure of, of, uh, of service delivery by uh, modeling all the financial data on municipalities over the last 20 years across all municipalities, uh, which is available through through the National Treasury. So the National Treasury publishes, publishes that, that data on a regular basis. It's very detailed. So it's an enormous data set. Of course, there are problems with the data set in terms of the inconsistencies and et cetera, but we modeled for those. But on the whole, I think it's, it's usable data. So we developed a proxy for, for service delivery. 
We then used, again, um, data from StatsSA to, to measure unemployment and poverty and those sorts of things. Also, again, problems with those data sets, but, but not insurmountable problems. So we took huge data sets and we modeled them over the last 20 years. And we found something interesting. We found when you correlated those data sets directly with the protest activities, the correlations were low. In other words, it did not seem to be the case that the protest activity was being driven primarily by changes in service delivery, deterioration in service delivery, deterioration in unemployment or, deteri or, or increasing, increasing poverty. Those did not seem to be the triggers of, of, of protest. So that, that, I think, is very important, and it unsettles a lot of our understandings of what drives protests in South Africa. In 2010, a group of sociologists um, put together, hypothesized that what was driving service delivery protests was internal contestation within the African National Congress. So it gave us an idea that uh, maybe what we should be looking for is internal contestation in the ANC as the driver of these protests. So we put together, I think, uh, a... Um, uh, a, a very impressive database of, of, of ANC activities and ANC events over the last over the last 20 years, and we modelled that database against against protest activities. And there we found surprisingly high correlations. We find that protest events tend to coincide with dramatic events of contestation within the African National Congress. So what we've argued is that protest events are largely driven by contestations in the ANC, not to, not, and that doesn't, doesn't in any way diminish the argument that people are organizing and protesting around service delivery and around unemployment and around poverty. It's just that those protests are being absorbed into or drawn or expressed through the African National Congress and therefore being caught up in, in terms of the ANC's own, own uh, internal contestation. So if that is the case, that the protests are, 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 are triggered, or driven by events in ANC, what explains that long period of stability, especially when things are going into crisis? Indeed. So what we've argued is that the period of Jacob Zuma, and this is what we think state captures largely around, is trying to manage that internal contestation in the ANC, but using it through especially autocratic and even authoritarian measures. He's managing that, uh, we think he was managing that contestation within ANC through, through patronage, we also find evidence of a huge increase of, 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 um, of repression and, and assassinations during that period. So we do think that, that um, a combination of patronage and, and intimidation is being used during that period um, to, to, to contain elite contestation. And that's why the period which we're currently in, it raises some very interesting questions about, about, about what's going on now. We don't think that uh, uh, um, Cyril Ramaphosa is trying or able to manage contestation in the same way. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he's, he has those autocratic tendencies. Um, but it does mean in the current circumstances, uh, elite contestation is becoming especially, especially vigorous and especially, especially, especially violent. Um, and it does raise the question about what measure, what means there exist in South Africa and what means Ramaphosa is using to try and contain that contestation. And maybe we can discuss that. Mm. So when you talk about autocratic means under Jacob Zuma, can you give us examples of those? So what would they have done as an example? Well, we, we know from the Zonda Commission, for example, that huge rents which are emerging through the state of enterprises 
some of that money is going for self-enrichment. Uh, so a lot of people are getting rich uh, through that money. But I don't think that that's primarily what's driving state capture. I don't think this is just about corrupt individuals stealing lots of money so that they can get rich. I think a lot of that money is being diverted into uh, party political coffers, not of the ANC per se, but of factional battles, to fight factional battles. So that's what I mean by, by patronage, diverting resources from the state into 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 local local elite uh, local elite um, uh, situations, uh, supporting local politicians in, in a particular environment. So that's that's the one way I think it's being managed. The other way I think what we find again we the data which we had there is probably the least developed data set, so one can't draw too too hard a conclusion. But we do notice that during this key period, there's quite a dramatic rise in assassinations in the taxi industry and also political killings of, of councillors, etc. We know from other work, and Mark Shaw and the Global Initiative on Organized Crime, for example, have found strong correlations between assassinations in the taxi industry and political killings. So that is very suggestive because of this huge rise that, uh, that repression is also being used to, to, to manage, to manage uh, this kind of con contestation. We don't think that uh, Sir Ramaphosa wants to use violence or corruption to, to manage that contestation. The question arises then, what tools does he have at have, 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 have his disposal to manage that kind of contestation? Mm. Uh, but, of course, these continue even under Cyril Ramaphosa, as has been a feature uh, through various administrations in the African National Congress. Absolutely. So that, and that does raise the question, is that how does one manage this elite contestation and keep it within the rules of South Africa's democratic game? Because the great danger, of course, is that this contestation becomes uh, out of control or further out of control and uh, unsettles or damages or undermines or overthrows the democratic dispensation in South Africa, which is what I think those events of July 2021 suggested that they could easily do and why we all got a, such a big fright. I have a sense that what Ramaphosa is trying to do, and I think this is absolutely the right thing to do, by the way, as, you know, one could, like, we could argue about or agree whether he's, he's doing it quickly enough or he's doing it sufficiently, but I think he's not using the ANC internal mechanisms to try and bring down that con contestation, but rather he's using the state institutions, building up, rebuild, building the capacity of the police, for example, strengthening the police. You know, the, we, we, we noticed a tremendous weakening of the police capacity during, 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 during this time. So improving the capacity of the police, building up the, the capacity of the NPA, reforming uh, state intelligence. Um, so a whole range of sort of huge structural changes within the state. Now, one could argue that those processes take time, but they're under, underway, and that going forward they will, to, they will begin to yield, yield results. We know also that uh, um, the government have embarked on a, an important project of public service re reform. Um, the National School of Government published a framework document on the, on the professionalization of the public service in 2019, I think it was, maybe just 2020. None of this, these are all big, big, important reform initiatives aimed at strengthening the state and potentially strengthening its ability to contain uh, elite contestation within South Africa. Well, thanks so much for your time. Dr. Ivor Chipkin is the director of the Government and Public Policy Think Tank and also um, author of a study by the Government and Public Policy Think Tank uh, Gap. Um, and it predicts that South Africa has entered a phase of ongoing violent instability as a result of ANC's internal 
tensions. And it says that um, the failure of the African National Congress to manage that elite contestation within its ranks has uh, seen those tensions spilling out, spilling over into the public domain and often uh, characterized as service delivery protests. And uh, the report also notes that these battles uh, would intensify in the lead up to ANC elective conferences. So uh, we are, of course, in that sort of year. So let us know what your views are. Sakina Kamwendo on SAFM.